You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And good morning and afternoon, depending on where you are. I want to welcome everybody to America's Web Radio. And this is Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And we have a good good reason to remember them right now as things are going along. Before we get started, we're going to do what we always do, and that is let's uh, take a moment and have a moment of silence and remember all of those that have have fought, all of our veterans, those that have fought in Desert Shield and Desert Storm in the Middle East, and those that are there now trying to get out. And we want to say a, a small special prayer for them. And then after that, we'll go to uh, have our cadence call, and then we will get with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg. And we'll be back right after a moment of silence. Thank you for taking a moment and uh, reflecting not only on our men and women that have given the ultimate sacrifice but are still in harm's way and also those that have been in harm's way with Ida. We can't forget them either. So let's do a little cadence call and then we'll get right to it. Ain't no sense in going home. Ain't no sense in going home. Jody's got her girl and gone. Jody's got your girl and gone. Ain't no sense in feeling blue. Ain't no sense in feeling blue. Jody's got your sister too. Jody's got your sister too. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. Break it on down. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Hey, hey, Sergeant Hardy. Hey, hey, Sergeant Hardy. Tell by your car you like to party. Tell by your car you like to party. Come to the dormitory after 10. Come to the dormitory after 10. Make us clean it up again. And uh, there we go. We're all got our blood pumping and flowing and got a smile on our face because we all appreciate Jody's. Colonel Forsberg, how are you doing, sir? I'm well, David. How are you? I'm doing fine. I guess we're, uh, well, uh, we're expecting rain, so I guess we're going to be seeing parts of uh, Ida coming David? our way. Yes, sir. I'm here. Okay, okay so we're going to be expecting um, some rain and uh, part of Ida coming our way, but that's okay. Um, that's the way it's David, meant to be. David, I'm sorry. I'm getting a great deal of interference. 
I can't quite tell you where that's coming from. Did that clear it up any? And how about now? Phil, are you still with me? Pardon? Phil, I don't uh, I don't know where the uh, interference is coming from. As you're saying. Okay, uh, Phil, are you able to hear me? No, sir. Well, I don't hear anything, uh, and you're coming through on my end well. So, you're still having a hard time hearing me? I think we're going to have to go to tape today, David. Okay. Um, let uh, Let me put you on hold.
And welcome back to uh, an abbreviated uh, Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. We've got Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg on, and we had a couple of technical problems, but we seem to have worked those out. Phil, you're doing well today, right? And I hope you are too, David. Yes, sir. Absolutely, and uh, we're uh, glad to have you with us as always, and uh, we're sort of not having to uh, remember Desert Shield and Desert Storm with all that's going on in Afghanistan, and, uh, you know, we have a interesting situation there, to say the least, in Afghanistan, and uh, without getting too political... How do you feel as a veteran of that area? Well, um, of course, uh, there are those who uh, would say that the the two are related. I I suppose they are. Uh, I have uh, recently heard uh, former President Trump uh, saying we should never have gone into the Middle East, um, and I, you know, I feel a little bit uh, differently. I would suggest than he does about it. Um, but once again, you know, as I've said many times, the the folks in uniform don't make the decisions um, uh, whether or not we should uh, pursue. A course of action at, at the national level. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, our our duty uh, when we're in uniform is to uh, follow the instructions of the commander in chief. And you know, uh, I had somebody uh, call me the other day and wanting to ask, you know, what could be done. And I think he was looking, to, you know, again. Uh, Basically, he was suggesting that <clears throat> there has to be some mechanism to uh, for military the, the military chain of command to take over, do things regardless of the president. And I said, no, that uh, the president, uh, according to the Constitution, the president of the United States shall be the commander-in-chief of the Army and the Navy. And... Uh, when we say commander-in-chief, that means he doesn't answer to anybody uh, <clears throat> uh, for military operations. So, uh, you know, we, we're bound by our oath that we take, that everyone who serves in uniform takes, and one of the things that we swear is that we will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the officers appointed above us. Uh, so I guess the real remedy, if you're looking for one, is uh, to be very, very careful when you when you choose a president because it's uh, it has far-reaching consequences. And it uh, we've lived with it for what 240 some odd years, and it's worked. And uh, you know I. I think this was a 
poorly organized or poorly um, executed. And, and even when I was in, we had some, you know, we had some preparation for bugging out or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I just, as I mentioned to you before we went, went on the air, um It makes me sick to think of the equipment and the technology that we left behind. Well, I didn't have you know, sounds. I just it it is it is a waste, and I and I do get yeah. uh, I know. irritated when I see waste. Uh, on the other hand, you know I think the real tragedy uh, has to do with the <clears throat> the lives of the troops. Uh, they're, they ought not to be spent in a casual or careless way. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, well, it just wasn't done well. That's the best I can say. And yeah, I, it, it seems to me that uh, there are more than likely some uh, civilian political appointees uh, who are weighing in and making decisions based on politics and, you know, having spent a great deal of time inside the Beltway in D.C., I can tell you it doesn't mix well with military operations. They have a completely different nature to them. Oh, yeah. And, you know, as I've mentioned to you and we've talked, I, I really have a problem with Anybody, representative, senator, whatever, that uh, has not had boots on the ground that is going by what they think or what they're fed by their underlings. And, um, you know, they, they don't it, – it, it's, sort of, it's sort of the same as the way I look at our wonderful first responders, the police, is that – they're given a job to do, and most of the time, or many of the times, it requires a split-second decision, and the same way with our troops. And there have been times that our troops have, or a troop trooper, has gotten in trouble because of a split-second decision. Our commander has gotten in trouble because of a split-second decision. But that's what it's all about. And there's the civilian war, which is police against the bad guys. And there's the military war, which is our Air Force and reserves and officers and enlisted folks that are fighting the bad guys. And... um, you know, sometimes a lowly PFC on the ground might know more than a superior does that's behind a desk. And everybody has to listen to everybody. Would that be a fair statement? <clears throat> well, everybody has to, you know, anybody who's making a decision needs to gather as much information as he can uh, and uh, 
and judge the value of that uh, of that information uh, best you can because it's, uh, but you know as far as uh, listening to you know uh, generals listening to corporals uh, you know I think corporals would be the first one to tell you they don't they don't have all the information no and uh, you know there's far too many corporals for every general to listen to I don't want to I don't want to uh, lay that at the feet of our uh, general officers they ought to be uh, you know surveying every uh, troop that's out there well no but I think it all comes through the chain of command at some point or the other and if you've got a FO that has vital information then he should it should be run up the chain well I I agree with that um, but you know uh, at every level there's going to be some filtering uh, and judging the value of the information sure well the, you know the the officer is getting it from the all sides uh, <laughs> the commanding officer is getting it from the top down and and uh, sometimes they know what they're talking about, most of the time, hopefully. But, uh, you know, he's also, that's why he's got the FO out there that uh, can give it from what I'm seeing right now. But, you know, it, 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 it all works, or it should. And it's, a, it's an amazing gear and cog, you know, that it all fits together and comes together as a plan. And uh, I'm not sure that Afghanistan came together as a plan particularly, but that's that's neither here nor there. And like you said, and I totally agree with you, the equipment and technology can be replaced. The folks that gave the ultimate sacrifice, they they can't be replaced. And the hurt that those families are feeling right now must be extreme and uh, yeah my heart breaks for them uh, yours but, and uh, mine yeah I mean you, you bring up first responders uh, you know it's it's pretty easy to, to sit back and, and judge someone's actions uh, you know when, when time is not a factor and uh the pressures of uh, of combat uh, situation, or you know, law enforcement, um, they uh, they're out there to uh, you know to uh, enforce the laws of their community, and when they uh, when they when their lives are in danger, they're they're empowered to uh, use deadly force and. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's just very difficult to take all emotion out of it and just sit down calmly in a, you know, in a academic setting afterward and review all the information. It's just, uh, uh, I'll tell you, <clears throat> I felt, uh, you know, as a combatant on the ground, I was very glad that I didn't have to, uh, 
try to, if you know, if someone was trying to kill me, I I didn't have to try to arrest them. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of difference. Phil, we're going to have to take our first break. I'm I'm running a little late, so right. we'll do that, and we'll come back with Colonel Farsberg right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. On the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio with Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And we have Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg on. He's the host of the show. And Philip and I were just talking about uh, some of what's going on right now. And, and um, you know... Feel like we've talked before many times that what families are going through right now, if they need help, they need somebody to talk to, they need questions answered, they can go to their local VFW, their uh, American Legion, whatever the service organization might be, and they can get help and they can find out the benefits if they have a you know, you never you never know. This is about one of the few things that I've learned about PTSD is that you may have PTSD and not even totally realize that you have it. And then something happens, like Afghanistan, or something happens that uh, brings back those memories and you do need help you do need to talk to somebody and there are people out there just like warriors to citizens there are people out there that have been there done that they can relate to you and use them that's what they're there for you want to add to that phil well i'm in total agreement with that uh i myself serve as a uh volunteer uh veteran service officer for the uh, Disabled American Veterans chapter in, in Marietta, Georgia. And, um, you know, uh, there's so many folks willing, able, and ready to assist you, whether it be from the DAV or uh, American Legion or Veterans of Foreign Wars, AMVETs, Paralyzed Veterans of America, Wounded Warriors, that 
there's a huge number of uh, service organizations, veteran service organizations. The resources are there, uh, but you have to reach out to them and just call them and say, I'd like to talk to a service officer. You know, uh, call your DAV chapter, your DFW, uh, your American Legion. Just, just call them and say, I would like to speak to a service officer. And, uh, and it, you know, if, if it's about benefits, then uh, they'll help you with that. If you, if you just uh, are experiencing difficulties, uh, just express them. You, you'll find a very sympathetic ear, uh, and you will be very surprised at the level of uh, service and willingness to assist you that, that's out there just, just waiting for you to contact. All you have to do is turn it on. You know, any any time, uh, and I'm, you know, speaking of the PTSD or uh, the psychological, psychiatric uh, issues, um, I had a, a friend who, who, to me, it was quite obvious he was uh, suffering from this PTSD, but he, uh, he felt stigma about it. He didn't want to reach out to anybody. He didn't want to talk to anybody uh, about it. Um, and I had to sit him down and say, you know, if if you got out there and <clears throat> that, you know, through your military service, you wound up with an injury to your to your leg or your arm or your back, the uh, the service would be uh, obligated to treat that, and uh, you know your your brain. Is uh, is just another organ, and uh, you know, of course, we use it to filter all our in- information through it. But uh, it it's very similar to other organs, and and if it if it's injured, it won't work properly. You know, if it's not working properly, it's not a lick on you. Uh, you know, the kids at the mall, they don't they don't go through what you went through, and uh, and even though in the community you're in it's normal to go through those things it's really beyond what the human uh, brain was uh, was designed to uh, withstand so uh, you know if you can just talk to somebody who has been there who's worn the uniform uh, you know you're not going to find a guy that's, that's been exactly where you've been but you will find folks who uh, can understand what you're talking about, what you're going through, better than anybody else that's around. And uh, when you do, that uh, that's the beginning of getting help. Uh, so that, that's my pitch. Contact the service officer from your uh, veteran service organization. And uh, if you can't think of one, can't reach one, then go ahead and uh, then uh, contact me through David, and I'll help you. Just, uh, yeah, and we and I always mean to uh, start off the shows with get a a paper and pen handy so you can write information down. Um, And this is, you know, this is the greatest thing about our country is that, yes, we are first responders to everything and this goes for our 
police, EMTs, fire department, and our military. And in many cases, our military is called upon to duty that um, they never anticipated or they didn't, you know, it may not be, it may be a, the enemy may be a terrible weather situation, i.e. Ida. Uh, I'm sure some military will be called up to help in uh, New Orleans and other areas. And it may be a situation that, uh, you know, uh, they're called up to do something that that they were totally not expecting. And then you have the others that are going to be called up to uh, probably go back to Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, they will be facing things. And it's just a matter that we have such a wonderful country made up of the best people in the world that reach out to help. They're first responders in many ways. And and just like uh, the colonel said... You know, it's easier for a Vietnam veteran to talk to another Vietnam veteran than it is to talk to someone that wasn't there, hasn't served, hasn't served in that situation. But, you know, just just talking a lot of times can relieve the pressure of PTSD. And as I've mentioned before, and, and write this down, you can contact me at GM at America's Web Radio. And if you're having trouble sleeping at night because of PTSD, don't hesitate to contact me and I'll put you in touch with a doctor that has come up with a sleep remedy. It's not a cure, but it's a remedy where you can get a good restful sleep at night. And he's located in Georgia in uh columbus georgia so uh just email me david or gm at america's web radio and i'll be glad to uh pass your name on to him and uh phil i think i gave you his name didn't i yes okay i just wanted to clear my slate and make sure i hadn't overlooked something but you know what's what's going on today is Everybody's getting a lot of flack about it. And, you know, in your opinion, in your military opinion, Phil, could a lot of this been avoided? Well, yeah, and that's kind of what I alluded to uh, when when I said that um, I think there are civilian uh, political appointees making decisions uh, that are overriding the uh, <clears throat> the the military uh, planners uh, who could tell you exactly how it can be done. Um, you know, and it, uh, early on, you know, nineteen or so years ago, when uh, we started getting involved over there in Afghanistan, uh, had a fella say to me, "Well." You know what? What's our exit strategy? And you know how long are we going to be there? How long are we going to have to do this? Of course, uh, I said to him, "Are you over there?" Well, no. So what do you mean, we? Because the, the folks, the folks who can handle it are, are over there handling. 
Um, so, you know, it's not we, it's them. How long will they be? And they'll be there as long as we need. He said, well, you know, how long is that going to be? I said, well, listen, if you had rats invading your house, your first thought wouldn't be, when can I stop fighting the rats? The fir your first thought would be, I will fight these rats until there are no more rats infesting my house. And uh, it's, it's really the way, you know, we have to look at terrorists. And uh, uh, I'm afraid that if we want to be safe here, the best way is to stop them over there. Absolutely. And, you know, like with Desert Storm, but, you know, I mean, Saddam Hussein was a bad guy, and he did bad things to his own people. He did bad things to Kuwait. But, you know, the world is filled with bad people, and we don't send in our forces everywhere. We send in our forces where there is a clear and present danger to the United States or to the objectives of our United States. So, uh, there, that that's, has to be the measure because we, we can't every wrong, right every wrong in the world. Just, and, and we uh, can't make everybody like us, and we've got to learn that, you know? Well, uh, yeah, and uh, I'm fine if they don't, if they don't like us, it really doesn't matter to me. No, just don't don't come into my country, or you'll get what what you should get, you know. And uh, right. it's uh, I've never seen it like this, and uh, I I keep hoping and praying for the military that you know they they are and they will be called upon for duties that I don't think some of them are expecting. And um, I I love our Constitution, as I think you well know, and uh, I love our country. And we have a document that we have to go by, and both sides, all sides, need to understand it and respect it and live by it in my opinion. And, uh, you know, there's no nobody telling anybody what's right and what's wrong. And the decisions, decisions are made. And, uh, you know, we made the decision to go into Korea. We made the decision to go into Vietnam. And um, the decision was made to protect a small country called Kuwait. And... There you go. And then a decision was made, and I think it had to be made. The decision was made to get revenge on the organization that killed 3,000 people on 9-11. And I hope we're prepared for 9-11 that's coming up very shortly. Have you had any thoughts yeah. on that? You know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of things that people have been occupying themselves with, uh, you know, the whole wokeness and uh, you know the, the people 
uh, I was, you know, uh, suggesting that they're interested in improving, improving race relations when all they're doing is exacerbating things. Um, it, you know, all these things that, that uh, your 24-hour news cycle folks uh, want to tell you the most important thing in the world, um, but it's not. And when, you know, and it kind of shakes you uh, into reality when uh, you see the carnage that can happen in a split second. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the folks that have been downrange and the folks that have maybe even not even been downrange but have uh, been sworn the, uh, the, the oath to to serve uh, when you know when they they just they, they can't be preoccupied by uh, such silliness um, and when people are telling you trying to tell you this is the most important thing in the world you better brace yourself because pretty soon you're going to find out what the most important thing in the world is it has nothing to do with being woke or pronouns or any of that business Couldn't agree with you more. And uh, where our country is going through some very silent transformations that uh, a lot of people aren't aware of, and they're being brought on by folks that, uh, just like you said, that don't really know what they're talking about, and they certainly haven't, you know, if they don't like our tr- country, they can leave it as far as I'm concerned. Be happy to pay for their ticket to Venezuela and let them see how they like it. Or, uh, you know, it, it just, it's a shame. We've got the greatest country in the world. We've got the greatest military in the world. And we've got the greatest first responders and people wanting to help people. I... <laughs> This uh, Ida reminded me, I just started the station when Katrina hit. And uh, it's funny, I talked to a lot of the people that were initially involved with me. And and uh, the first thing we did was we did a fundraiser for Katrina. And it was amazing. We had our, the people that were with me had gray buckets that we put signs on and uh, on Roswell Road within one small area we raised almost $5,000 within just this was like within uh, from 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock and the United States its people are the most generous and giving people in the world and we respond be it as first responders or whatever, but we respond to somebody else's needs. And I I heard something very interesting the other day, and this was troops going to Afghanistan to help get fellow Americans out, and the comment was made that it was 
unusual, and generally our troops go in to help other countries or other people do something as opposed to going in to help our own people. And I thought that was a beautiful statement that how excited the troops were to go back into Afghanistan and get Americans out, be they soldiers or just veterans or whatever they are, civilians that were in Afghanistan, but to work for Americans getting them out of Afghanistan. And I thought that was very interesting to hear our troops saying that. So, we've got a deadline coming up tomorrow, I believe it is, and uh, I guess, as we say on just about everything, time will tell. Yes, uh, and I I really uh, have an anticipation that we're going to see a hostage uh, situation I'm very unhappy about. Do you feel like we should go back in? You know, a very wise person once said to me, I didn't I didn't create this problem and it's not my responsibility to fix it. Uh, unfortunately, those folks still serving in uniform, uh, it is their responsibility to, to do as they've been instructed. So it's... Uh, bad thing it is and uh, I don't I don't like to see our troops spent in this way uh, it, sh- it should be pretty obvious to anyone that you don't <clears throat> you, you don't take all your muscle out before you get the ones they're protecting out uh, you know we used to say women and children first I don't know whatever might have happened to that I think that went uh, the way of World War II. And, uh, but I agree with you 100%. And, you know, it will be... Uh, there. There's... Like the, the saying of there's two, two sides to every coin. Well, I'm afraid this one has many, many sides. And, you know, I'm not going to try to say I have the answer because I don't. But at the same token, I do realize that the consequences can be a long time. And uh, we'll be seeing them, smelling them, hearing them, feeling them for years to come. And uh, I guess, as I mentioned on uh, another show... At my age, to an extent, it's gonna, not going to make a lot of difference. But at the same token, in my time on this in this wonderful country, I was born here, raised here, love the country, love our flag, and love what our country has always stood for. And I guess... To my, I tried to remember any other time. First time I've ever been ashamed of our country, and couldn't believe 
that we've done what we've done and we we were we're the first like I said we're the first responders everywhere and the stories that we've heard even the stories from World War II POWs that when they saw our flag they knew they were okay same way in many countries that have been in trouble and they've seen the American flag coming and they knew they were going to be okay and we've lost that in many areas and I I don't know I have no idea how long it'll take to build it back if we ever can but you know there there's an old song that I learned in uh, I think I was in junior high school no man is an island no country is an island we need each other and we're proving it today in my opinion, on the ground in Afghanistan, how valuable our friends were, how valuable our allies are. We just can't let people down. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I would like, uh, you know, I, I don't expect everybody in in our country to uh, serve in uniform uh, but uh, it, they, they should have uh, some appreciation for those who do uh, uh, some level of gratitude uh, and, and I think much of our country does probably anybody who intentionally tunes into this uh, program does um, I had a uh, one of our county police officers uh, talked to me the other day, and, and he noticed, uh, you know, that uh, I was a veteran, and, and he asked me about my service, and I told him, and, and uh, he said, "Well, thank you for your service." I said, "Are you a veteran?" He said, "No, I've never served in the armed forces," and I had to tell him, "Well, I thank you for your service to our community because, uh, you know." They do a very specialized job, law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics. You know, they, they risk their lives uh, for a, a noble cause as well. And uh, it's every bit as uh, valuable to me, their service. Absolutely. And I, I can't imagine... Somebody yelling, defund the police. Um, they going to call the grocery store clerk? You know, it's just, I'm all for the police. I'm all for our other first responders. I've never been a policeman and don't, at my age, certainly don't intend on it. But I, I was a first, an EMT and first responder for years. And, um, uh, you know, it's they go through a lot that most people can't imagine, and some of the horrific things you're exposed to, uh, you just. And yet, I look at what I saw compared to what our Vietnam veterans witnessed and saw, 
and there's no comparison. And I guess the, the biggest thing as an EMT, there was always, as long as you had a heartbeat, there was hope. And a lot of time our military get in situations that seemingly are hopeless. But yet we still had those dust-off pilots that were fantastic, and the nurses and the triage people. But, you know, it's uh, we have to respect our veterans. And I, I really don't care where they serve. As I say all the time, one, if you're a graduating senior in high school or college and you haven't made up your mind, take a look at the military. They have so many options available today, so many things that you might be interested in doing or learning about. That's one side of it. And the other side of it is when you put on your resume that you served in the military for however, however many years, where you served, so forth and so on, that person, that HR person, knows that they've got a winner in that resume. They know that you can take orders and that you, they know that you finished the job and you're also a leader. And if the troops walked into the studio right now, I couldn't get up fast enough to salute them. And our, our military is the best. And the grunts on the ground, and I'm not putting down any officers by any means, but the ones that will go out and be the forwarder observers or the points or whatever, they love our country and they sign the document to protect and defend. And we just have to let them do that. We have to let them do that. Protect and defend. So, let's take... uh, one more break here right quick and we'll be back with Lieutenant Colonel Philip Farsberg right after this. Hello, my name is Rick White and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, then the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia or you lived here 10 years or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And as always, we do thank you for listening. And uh, you're in the middle of, well, you're in the last 10-minute segment of Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And I want to add, too, remember Ida that's come ashore and we don't know yet 
the extent of the damage or the extent of lives lost in the hurricane, but uh, we do want to keep those folks in mind. And uh, all of our military, whether it's veterans that have already served you and our country and help keep us a free country, I just think, uh, you know, you were mentioning earlier, Phil, that I think of these people that are into all of this changing the world and this, that, and the other. Where would they be without the military? Where would they be without those men and women that swore to protect and defend even the crackpots that want to turn our country into a who knows what they want to turn it into but they wouldn't be able to have a voice we wouldn't hear a thing about them if they were in a communistic country they'd be shot it'd be down and dirty and quick and we've seen that now in venezuela we've seen it in cuba and uh any any country that decides they want to go the socialistic route, the Marxist route, they're going to see a lot of killings. And that's why we just, we can't let our country go that way. And uh, I haven't gotten any information lately on it, but I'm very, very concerned about our southern border. I have a lot of friends down there in that area in Texas. And, you know, it's it's a bad situation that's just been made worse. So, everybody, my word is watch your neighbor. Have your neighbor watch you. And just like in the military... You cover your buddy's back, and the buddy behind you will cover yours. And same way with each side. So, Philip, um, where do we go from here? Well, <clears throat> David, uh, you know, uh, I just wanted to say a little word in support of our uh, our folks in in the specifically in the National Guard uh, because they uh, they actually have two commanders-in-chief. They're, when they're called into the service of the United States, then um, the president is their commander-in-chief. But until that time, the governor of the state in which they serve is, uh, is their commander-in-chief. And uh, these guys, to, they have a, a dual mission in the National Guard. They do state support and they do uh, the Federal Reserve Force mission. And uh, they have proven over the last 20 years just to be the most uh, competent and uh, uh, motivated uh, and uh, willing uh, partners in all of this in, in their response to disasters uh, and also in their uh, in their help with the war fight in the conflicts we've been involved in in the last 20 years. And uh, I, I can't say enough good about 
uh, National Guard. It's a fantastic way to serve. Uh, you know, there were there were those during Vietnam. They were very reluctant to use the guard. Uh, it, you know, overseas, but uh, today uh, there are many, many guard uh, troops that are uh, seasoned combat veterans, and uh, you know their whole career has been in the guard, uh, and they're just uh, uh, I'm very humbled by the kind of service that they do, and. Uh, I know that the folks in Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, and Alabama uh, are going to be doing yeoman's work, uh, just uh, helping people recover uh, from this disaster. And, you know, we we can't use the Army, we can't use the Navy to, uh, to help uh, in disaster support unless it's absolutely necessary because we cannot distract them from their mission of protecting our nation and we can't allow a natural or man-made disaster at home uh, jeopardize our uh, strategic national security objectives. So the Guard is indispensable in that. Well, Phil, as, as a former Guardsman, I appreciate what you say and, you know, it's the National Guard that a lot of folks don't understand or don't appreciate, I should say, is when you sign up for regular Army or you sign up for the Navy or whatever, your girlfriend or wife or whatever situation you're in is put into one type of situation. And although a guardsman obviously tells his spouse, you know, well, this is always, there's always the possibility. But, generally speaking, you know, we've gone years and years without a terrible hurricane, or we've gone years and years without a war. And even if we went to war, we had a a large enough military that they didn't have to call on the guard. But the guardsmen, it, it, it always is in their shadow that they can be a civilian today and a soldier tomorrow. And when the order comes to leave, you have X number of days to get prepared and leave and report to duty. And this can leave the light bulb unchanged for your wife to figure out how to do it, you know. And so the the military spouse or the military situation is... A day-to-day thing, whereas with the guard and reservists, uh, you know, but primarily the guard, that can be called up and be gone tomorrow, literally, or very close to it. So they take. I'm glad you mentioned the military spouse and and that light bulb thing because you know uh, these spouses may not be, uh, you know going into it, they may not be all that attuned to uh, how to do everything around the house, but uh, very quickly um, they they band together, they help each other, and they uh, they figure out, and uh, it's, uh, they're just some of the most res- resourceful people uh, 
I've ever seen, uh, my wife included. Uh, she weathered uh, two conflicts, numerous uh, uh, periods of uh, long separation, and I've uh, uh, been married to her for uh, 39 years here uh, next month, and uh, she... Uh, you know, people say, well, you're still married after 39 years? I said, this woman doesn't know the word quit. <laughs> Congratulations, Phil. Thank you, Dave. Um, and, you know, what you were saying, and it can be the man or it can be the woman. If you have, you know, many women serve and can be, if they're in the guard, they can be called up just as easily as anybody else can be called up. And, you know, it really turns into a family matter. And if you're called up, so is your family. They're just not going in country or they're not going to the next state over or whatever. But they're being called up as well to perform the duties that you generally did. And... You know, we got to give them. And if you're a neighbor of a guardsman, be it man or woman, um, offer to help a little bit if you know it. If you know that they've been called up, and uh, depending on the neighborhood, you know, just just keep an eye out on their house or just just offer to help. And that means it's it's sort of like we talk about if you see a, you know what. My guy didn't come in and get me at 2 o'clock, and we've gone over. Heaven forbid, Phil. Um, we're going to have to stop it and uh, wait until next week to finish it. All right, David. Thank you, sir. Talk Thank to you. you later. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.